Hey everybody, welcome to Navigating Real Estate Turbulence. I'm John Lafferty with Century 21 Town & Country. I am Tony Abate with Ross Mortgage. Thanks for joining us today. Today we're going to talk about when an appraisal comes in short mm -hmm. on a home. Tony. Yeah, yeah. When You're, that happens, what do you do? Yeah, this is a hot topic today, isn't it? Because, you know, we're in a market where uh, folks are overbidding, uh, putting in offers greater than the list price. Uh, there's always sensitivity to how the appraisal is going to come in on a transaction. But when there's things in place that cause uh, offers to come in high anyway, it just adds to, uh, adds to the concern. And, and it, it's rightfully so. If you're a seller, you're, you're happy to see these offers come in over list price. But then the listing agent's going to give the proper advice and say, well, this, this looks good on paper, but the appraisal has to support it. And if it doesn't, then it doesn't really matter that this, that this buyer has brought in uh, an offer over list price, right? But what are we seeing today? Folks are giving those appraisal guarantees. And so they're saying, I'll, I'll make my offer over the list price. I'll go high. And if the appraisal comes in low, I'll cover this. You're, you're still going to be okay, Mr. Seller, uh, up to a point, right? I think most agents are writing offers with an appraisal guarantee, but with, with stop limits, if you will, right? Uh, some of them are completely waiving them, which <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. that's you, a little if you need to be yeah. yeah, if you need to be uber aggressive, that's what you do. Yeah. If you have a buyer agent that really knows an area and knows what they're doing and knows how to look at comparables mm -hmm. and says to you, you you're in really good shape. I, I feel really comfortable with you being aggressive on the appraisal guarantee mm -hmm. in a maybe a certain limit. Um, or you have some saying, hey, we're going to waive it totally. You're doing 20% down. There's enough comparables. I think we're going to rely on getting an appraisal waiver. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so I, I think maybe as uh, the whole thing, maybe we should back up a little bit, mm -hmm. talk about just the different scenarios, uh, and then zero in on um, exactly what we're talking about here when the appraisal comes in short. And uh, what is a buyer to do if they've guaranteed it? What happens at what that happens? point? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's it's a it's a tricky concept to kind of wrap your arms around. Um, so we we're going to have some graphics that we'll put up that that shows just that. And the the idea I think that we want to convey here is that there's a way and to make that offer look strong because you're coming in over list price and then not only give that seller some assurance that the, that the transaction can still close even if the appraisal comes in low, but to also you know, potentially or ideally protect that buyer so that the buyer knows his worst case scenario. So let's talk about an example here where we can, we can you know, maybe put some numbers to all this. So if we have a scenario where somebody is gonna make an offer on a home and it's a 20% down offer on $250,000, um, that's a $200,000 mortgage, 250 sale price, 20% down, $200,000 mortgage. Uh, if that property appraises for 250, all is good with the world and everybody moves forward and closes the transaction. But what if it, what if it appraises low, let's say it appraises for $235,000 instead of the 250. And, and let's just assume that the buyer has indicated, Hey, I've, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I'll cover this. I'll, I'll make this good. It's not a deal killer if it doesn't appraise for the 250. So now comes the appraisal and it comes in at $235,000. Now we no longer have that 20% equity, right? Now we've got 14.9% equity. Uh, so the deal's not dead, but the appraisal has come in low and now some decisions have to be made. So what happens when we have a $250,000 sale price, a buyer putting down 20% and an appraisal of $235,000? Well, there's a couple options that, that can be had with this. And, and I'll back up a step. This, this buyer is potentially putting down that 20% because they want to avoid PMI. You know, terms are gonna be ideal. They don't have to pay that PMI. That's why they're at that magic line in the sand. Appraisal comes in low. Now we don't have that 20% equity in the anymore. The buyer could make a larger down payment, reduce his loan size to $188,000, and then he's, re, he's retained that 20% equity position. So now his down payment has gone from $50,000 to $62,000. He's avoiding PMI because he, uh, you know, he's, he's kept that 20% equity spread in there. All good, the deal, stay, the, the deal stays together, but the downside to this one is that the buyer comes out of pocket additional monies for that down payment. Uh, they stay out of PMI, so that's a good thing. The deal stays together, but they're more out of pocket. They've, they've increased their down payment to $62,000. Can you explain why it isn't dollar for dollar? Mm -hmm. yeah. It came in $15,000 short on the appraisal. Why do they only have to pay an additional $12,000 instead of $15,000? Sure. So, so the reason for that is that we're, we're not financing 100%, right? We're financing 80%. So when we have a $15,000 spread, we only have to have the buyer cover 80% of that $15,000. And that's why his down payment only increases by the $12,000. So I, I get it, it it's, it's funky math, but that's, that's, that's because you know, they're still putting cash equity into this. We're still financing 80%. So 80% of that difference uh, that we're seeing here uh, is, is what the buyer has to cover. Okay, so that's the first option, and that's probably the you know kind of the cleanest or purest thing to do. It's most painful to the buyer because it's more out of pocket for him, but he avoids PMI on that mortgage. Uh, and his month, you know, another silver lining is monthly payment goes down because you know they're borrowing less money. So another option in this scenario is well, what if the buyer doesn't want to come out of pocket additional money? Well, he doesn't really have to. He could keep that loan amount at two hundred thousand dollars. He now only has 14.9% equity instead of the 20% uh, equity. Uh, he's not increasing his down payment, but he does trigger PMI on the loan because again, we don't have that 20% equity any longer. And I, I, should, I should go back and say that from a lending perspective, how do we measure equity? We measure it based on the lesser of the purchase price or the appraised value. And so that's why even though the purchase price hasn't changed, with that appraisal comes in, coming in low, we now have less equity. We've got that 14.9% equity. So PMI comes into the picture. If they do option two, uh, it's about $35 a month. It's gonna vary based on credit score and, and, and other factors. That's, that's really the, the pain point in this transaction. Hey, I can keep going. I can buy the home that I want. I have this add-on of $35 a month for PMI. How long does PMI stay on the loan? When does, when does it fall off? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it, there's a couple triggers there. So it falls off automatically when a person reaches a loan-to-value ratio of 78%, or the inverse of that is 22% equity. Okay. That's if that home buyer 
just turns his back on it and, and forgets that it's there. They keep paying it. Uh, the lender is compelled to drop that PMI when they have that, uh, that 22% equity into the transaction. Once they have 20% equity, they can then approach the lender and say, hey, I shouldn't have to have this PMI anymore. I want you to drop it. The lender will look at a couple things. They'll say, hey, are you still living there? Has the payment history been good? Um, you know, they, they, they could require an appraisal at that point. But once they have that 20% equity, they don't have to have that PMI any longer. So PMI is private mortgage insurance. Private mortgage insurance is what a home buyer has to pay on their mortgage when they've made a smaller than 20% down payment, or if they have less than 20% equity because of the low appraisal. It can be paid monthly, which is typical. Uh, it can be paid in a lump sum, which is something that a home buyer should look at because then it's a one and done kind of thing. If somebody has, like our situation here, you know, they don't quite have 20% equity, but they're close. That one-time PMI may not be all that expensive, and uh, you know it could be less than a thousand dollars in a situation like this. Maybe that's one of the things that's that's a negotiation point. Maybe this transaction doesn't have the appraisal guarantee, but it comes in low. Everybody still wants to arrive at the closing table, and and an option that a buyer could have is to say, you know what, Mr. Seller, I'll I'll stay at your sale price of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, but I want you to pay. $1,000 in my closing costs in exchange for that. And that buyer can use that $1,000 to pay that one-time PMI. Now they don't have it in their payment. Uh, the seller hasn't had to reduce their price. They've simply had to help with a little bit of the closing costs and everybody closes in a happy fashion. It's, it's a loan with PMI that doesn't feel like it has PMI. What is the purpose of PMI? PMI protects the lender. Okay, I'll just put it right out there. You know, the only beneficiary is the lender. In the event of mortgage default, the mortgage insurance company will basically make the lender whole as if that buyer had made a 20% down payment. And, and I shouldn't say the lender is the only beneficiary. The buyer is the beneficiary too because they can complete their transaction with a smaller down payment. So, so that's a couple of things that can happen when, when we're right at that cost, we're right at 20% down, but that appraisal comes in low. And, and the buyer, you know, let's face it, sellers are calling the shots right now, right? So the buyer doesn't always have that ability to just say, hey, look, Mr. Seller, you reduce your price or I'm walking away. Because what might a seller say in that situation? Fine, I, I've got 10 next. other buyers. Yeah, next, exactly, exactly. One thing to point out, though, is that we have scenarios where we have that same $250,000 sale price. The buyer is coming in long or, or strong with a 30% down payment, and they've got that appraisal guarantee. Hey, Mr. Seller, I'm, I'm going to cover you if that appraisal comes in low. And lo and behold, just like our, our prior example, it comes in at $235,000. Well, even though it's come in low, this buyer doesn't necessarily have to make any changes at all. He's already got 30% down from the starting point. Even with the low appraisal of $235,000, he doesn't have 30% equity anymore, but he has 25.5% equity. He's still fine. We can finance that transaction uh, just as if nothing had changed. We haven't acknowledged the fact that the appraisal came in low. No PMI is triggered. There's no need to increase the down payment because of that low appraisal. Um, you know, they still have sufficient equity to get the loan terms that they desired. Um, they just have to be okay with the fact that that home appraised low. So, I mean, they can make that larger down payment if they want to maintain that 30% equity, but the only real benefit in doing that is the lower house payment that would come along with it. So the message is, is that 
a home buyer who's making a strong down payment, 25, 30% or more, can put an appraisal guarantee in a purchase agreement and potentially not have to come out of pocket any additional money, even if that appraisal comes in low. So it looks great to the seller, it's assurance to the seller, but it doesn't necessarily change anything for the buyer if that appraisal does come in low. These are, these are, these are things that, you know, we almost need that whiteboard with arrows and X's to, to kind of show the path. It can be a little, little bit difficult to wrap your arms around the, the concept, but uh, you know, working with a realtor like yourself, you know, before the offer is actually presented, we have the ability to show that home buyer, here's your worst case scenario. If the appraisal comes in right at your, the limit that you've established in that deal, here's the worst case scenario. So then at least they know. And then you brought up a good point. In transactions like this, we've got that good buyer, good down payment, we might get the appraisal waiver and not even need the appraisal at all. So they get the best of both worlds. They've, they've, impressed, they've impressed the seller with the appraisal guarantee, and then they're completely immune from having to cover any spread on the low appraisal because there's no appraisal necessary. We may have covered this in a previous podcast, but what is an appraisal waiver? When does it happen? What triggers it? Mm -hmm. How does it happen? What does it mean? What does the world mean, Tony? <laughs> I don't know if we have enough time to get into that one, but, uh, but yeah, appraisal waivers. So um, I, I will tell you that this is something that uh, went away during the recession and in my opinion anyway, came back frightfully fast, but people far smarter than me make these decisions. And so what Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac decided is that on conventional loans with the right characteristics of the loan, the loan can be closed without an appraisal. So there's a couple things in play here. We have to have the right buyer, we have to have the right property, and we have to have the right numbers. So when we have that strong buyer, and it's usually a buyer that is putting at least 20% down, and, and you know, they've, they've got good credit, and then we have a property where uh, the, the numbers are making sense. The, the data that's already out there in, in public records and in, and in closed transactions, already suggests that the purchase price that's being offered is reasonable for the, uh, for the area. And, and Fannie and Freddie's logic on this is this. It's like, well, if, if, if we had an appraisal done anyway, chances are the comparable sales that are on that appraisal are loans that we're already holding anyway. We've already, we've already had appraisals on those properties. And so uh, in so many words, this is basically Fannie Freddie saying, if we did an appraisal, you're not going to tell us anything that, you, that we don't already know. So we're comfortable if this transaction closes without an appraisal being completed. We don't know until we know, right? Because we have to have the borrower information and the buyer information blended together. And then it's that, it's that underwriting software uh, that, that we use uh, for these conventional loans that will tell us if that appraisal is necessary. What's the danger of the waiver? So what's the danger of the waiver? Well. I guess that's a little bit subjective. There's a couple things. I mean, the, the lender, you could argue, is ratcheting up their, their risk. Uh, you have two identical deals, one with an appraisal, one, one without an appraisal. Arguably, the, the transaction without the appraisal is going to have greater risk, potentially. Um, because even though uh, certain data can be gleaned from the public records, there's things that can, that can have happened in the immediate history to that property that would not be identified with an appraisal waiver. Um, 
you know, we had we had rainstorms over the last couple of days. If that basement is wet, uh, maybe because the gutters have failed or there's a negative slope to the landscaping or something like that, and we have that transaction with an appraisal waiver, no one's going to know. No one on the lender side is going to know that that basement potentially has a deficiency. You know, I think I think part of that stopgap though too is that the home buyer probably is going to have an inspection done, final walkthrough, those kind of things that might identify that problem. I think I think a buyer is 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 we remove the assurance to that buyer that the value is what it is, but uh, we get a little philosophical with this. That value is kind of in the eye of the beholder, and if the if our example of two hundred fifty thousand dollars, if the buyer has done their due diligence and they feel that that's worth every penny, then is the appraisal really telling them anything that they don't already know, you know, or or that they haven't already concluded? Tell you tell me your thoughts on that because that you're you're. That sounds You're eerily similar <laughs> yeah. to an earlier time, not so long ago, mm -hmm. where the motto was almost, if the buyer's willing to pay for it, just bring it in at that value. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. Not mm -hmm. that I'm saying that we're at that extreme, but I, I think that we're seeing a, an appreciation in value on homes so rapidly it just seems a little out of whack. Mm -hmm. um, usually, at least, let's just take a step back before last year, up into um, early 2020, when the appraisers went to the property, they were physically in there, they were measuring, they were uh, taking pictures, they were doing all, making notes for themselves of different things. It just felt like there was always that check. And look, as as a realtor, you know, appraisers have a have a uh, have a bullseye on their back a lot mm -hmm. of the time because sometimes they get it wrong in our opinion. Sometimes they get it really really wrong sure. in our opinion, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they're 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 spot on. We complain about that, but they're kind of a check against mm -hmm. values somebody wildly overpaying on a home or a home crazily overimproved mm -hmm. for the area mm -hmm. to support what they've done to the home. You know, sometimes the danger is with, with these appraisal waivers that it's just a, oh, you want to pay that? Check. Yeah. You Okay. Check. So that's my concern with appraisal waivers mm -hmm. uh, is, uh, is, is just this value just keeps going up by big steps. Uh, as opposed to leading up to that, I, I think on average we were somewhere around, I don't know, seven to 10 percent each year, sometimes a little less, mm -hmm. sometimes a little more, depending on the area, a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. The value is a, is a bit overinflated yeah. for and, and, I, and I feel like part of it is because people aren't physically going to properties. Now, um, person in my office who you know, uh, had a listing for a new construction mm -hmm. that came in 15,000 under, lo and behold, they found out the appraiser never set foot in the property. Wow. Mm -hmm. Just kind of did a drive-by, but never went inside to actually see the improvements and everything that was done. So I have a problem with that too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, so I guess my, boy, that was a long-winded way to get to my <laughs> question. So my question for you is, uh, do you think we're going to get back to in uh, physical uh, inspection, appraisal inspections again, where the lenders are just going to say, "Okay, no more waivers, uh, no more drive-bys, got to physically go in." 
Well, there's a couple, there's a couple of, of moving parts to that, John. Um, and, and the first point I'll bring up is related to COVID. There was a window of time during COVID that just recently expired where in the interest of keeping everybody safe and, uh, and not having anybody feel uncomfortable about uh, you know, people going in properties and so on, that there was an exception made on, on really all loan products that said a lender can close a loan with a drive-by appraisal. Drive-by appraisals are not a normal course of action. They were years ago. Uh, you know, they, they went away again, recession time. Those never came back for conventional loans and, and government loans. Mm -hmm. uh, it was only to accommodate COVID and, and a way to kind of straddle the fence and say, well, let's try to keep transactions going. Let's do something reasonable, but can we do it without uh, any undue risk? And that's where the drive-bys were. Drive-bys or automated valuation models, AVMs as they're called, were permitted. As a general rule, what was happening during that is before an appraiser just arbitrarily decided to do a drive-by appraisal, there was some dialogue. You know, an appraiser would set up an appointment, and there might be you know a seller that would say, you know, I'm 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 I'm, I'm compromised. I'm concerned about my health. I'd rather not have the appraisal the appraiser come in. Then the appraiser would would check with the lender and say, hey, we got the situation, can we do a drive-by appraisal? With the new construction, I'm, I'm a little floored that it was just a drive-by. And, and you, you, know, you bring up a valid point. When we talk about having reconsiderations of value done to have that appraisal adjusted, mm -hmm. boy, they left that wide open for you on that and say, well, here's 12 amenities on the inside of that house that the appraiser would have had no idea were there because he didn't go in. And so, to me, that's also an easy one for the appraiser to say, as long as I can go in, I'll evaluate those and put them into the appraisal. And I don't know if that took place in your situation or not. Um, but you know, I, I would say two things also. Uh, so, so unique situation, I think, with, with the drive-by on that. Sure. Um, when it comes to property inspection waivers or appraisal waivers versus appraisals, I would say, first off, neither is perfect. Right. I mean, we've seen that and you brought up a great point. You know, sometimes appraisals are done and they, they've just flat out missed the mark in their opinion of value, which is, let's face it, that's that's all it is, is just markedly different than what everybody thought it was going to be. And then and then the property inspection waivers, uh, the imperfection there are the, are the exact things that you cited with regard to that. I will say this when when we see a price run up on a listed property, and, and we'll kind of use our example. If this property was listed at 220, and then the offer that was accepted was at the $250,000, it does seem like the appraisal waivers diminish when that agreed upon price is kind of outside of the beltway of, of what the data is suggesting. So I think there's some stopgap there. Um, is it perfect? It's not. But uh, you know, there, there's neither neither choice. It's kind of do you want to be shot or stabbed? You have the appraisal process, which is imperfect, and you have the the, the appraisal waiver, which is not always appropriate for the reasons that you cited. If I have a client who's buying a flip, mm -hmm. it's an investor flip. You look and you see that uh, it was bought less than twelve months ago mm -hmm. for let's say a hundred thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Now it's being sold for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. My buyer is putting. 20, 25% down, is it still a trigger with the lenders say, we got to get somebody out there to see the improvements that have been done? I would say that uh, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it's indirectly a trigger to the lender. I think in that case, what's triggered is when the, when the automated underwriting is completed, and that's where we get that decision about an appraisal waiver, that, that history of the property, in my opinion, would probably 
prohibit an appraisal waiver on that property because it begs the valid question, how did we get from $100,000 to $200,000? Now an appraisal is triggered, which is probably appropriate in that case, and the appraiser's gonna see the same thing. 100,000 12 months ago and $200,000 now, he would be expected to comment on how it got from A to B, because that 100% run up is just, you know, it's contrary to what's going on in the market, right? So he would have to say, this, we, we've got indication this was a flip. The condition of the property 12 months ago was this. Here's improvements that were made. Condition of the property is, is now this. All day long, that's an appropriate scenario for an appraisal as opposed to an appraisal waiver. So, so when you get into the technicalities, the, the appraisal is being completed for the benefit of the lender. So offer is accepted, buyer applies for the loan, the lender in looking over the whole transaction says, we're gonna to need to appraise this property, and then it's, it's, that appraisal is done. And it's really meant not necessarily to satisfy the buyer, that's, that, but that's a strong indirect benefit. It's really meant to, to satisfy the lender that the property is sufficient collateral for the loan. You've got a couple different things here. Uh, chances are appraiser number two is not going to be uh, knowledgeable of the data that was drawn from appraiser number one. Uh, so they could be very, very different. Um, there are, there are stop gaps with government loans, with FHA and VA loans that says if an appraisal was done on that property and it's logged, then that one can't get lost in the shuffle. If a new buyer comes along, that appraiser is, I'm sorry, that second lender has the ability to grab that original appraisal and, and analyze that data and use it. So not only is it uh, uh, not wasting money where two appraisals are paid for, it also prevents um, hiding of data. First appraisal comes in low, buyer agent says, I don't like what the appraisal appraiser did, appraiser didn't do a good job. They rebut it, appraiser says, nope, I'm sticking with where I'm at. What are some remedies for a, for a buyer? You know, what you're talking about is something that, that happens, you know, not tons of times, but it does happen. You know, an appraisal is done, um, there's a disagreement in, in the value conclusion of the appraiser. Mm -hmm. The appraiser won't adjust, and let's face it, they don't adjust them very often, right, when, when there's a reconsideration of value. What can a buyer do? What are the options? Well, the... the, the and, and assuming they really, really want that home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and they're in disagreement with the appraiser's conclusion as yeah. well, you know, because uh, let's face it, I mean, one of, the, one of the really primal things about the whole thing is that if this is discovery for a buyer, I don't think the immediate reaction is to try to correct or adjust the appraisal. You know, the, the buyer might be saying, hold the phone here. I don't want to overpay for this property. So we have to keep in mind this is that the appraisal is done for the benefit of the buyer's mortgage and the buyer is privy to that information. But to your scenario, everybody is basically concluding this appraiser is, is off its rocker. The value is there all day long. What can we do? If the reconsideration of value doesn't work, they can pull up stakes and go to another lender. Absolutely, all day long. And in this market, that's, that's probably the, the, the uh, option of choice because like you said, the seller has the ability to say, next, this buyer is too much trouble, you're out, let's look at the next party. The other thing that can happen is that the, if the appraisal was genuinely done incorrectly, because they have guidelines too, right? Um, a lender can choose to have a second appraisal done. That's rare, that's rare, because one of the things that's being looked out for is parties, including the lender, 
fishing for a value on a property. Hey, we don't like what this appraiser came up with. We're going to try another one, see if he can hit the number. But what they can do is that if the appraisal, if the appraiser just simply didn't follow proper conventions, you know, adjustments weren't handled right, notes weren't handled right, there were clearly other comps that could and should have been used, then the, then the lender has the ability to say, this guy just didn't do it right. We're going to have another one done. And they do just that. They have a second appraisal done, and hopefully it solves the problem. Doesn't always, but hopefully it does. Have you ever had a scenario where buyer and seller agree, here's the price that we're going to pay, um, and we'll accept whatever the appraiser says. Mm -hmm. Whatever the appraiser determines to be the value, that's what we'll pay. Mm -hmm. So buyers doing that because they're hoping the appraisal comes in lower. Yeah. Sellers, sellers doing that because they're hoping the appraisal comes in higher. Yeah. It doesn't happen that often, but have you come across scenarios where here's the purchase price, the purchase price is 300,000 and the home appraises for 315, now the buyer is financing 315 instead of 300. Yeah. Can they do that? Is that legal? Is the lender going to say, wait a second, hold on? Mm -hmm. Or is the lender going to say, yeah, absolutely you can. It's 315. Yeah. If, if, uh, so, so the answer to the first question, though, uh, have I seen it happen? You know when I've seen it happen is on for sale by owner transactions, right? Because mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say that a, that a good realtor would advise both parties that's not really the best position for you yeah, as a buyer right. or a seller. That's right. But I see it with for sale by owners, which is a, another, another important message here. Don't wing it, folks. You, you, <laughs> you need to be working with a real estate agent on this kind of thing. But that's, that's where I've seen it. And I think part of that is, is, uh, is related to the fact that you've got two parties that are not necessarily adept and, and trained to determine the value of the property. Mm -hmm. So we'll let the appraiser, we, we'll, we'll target a number, but we're going to let the appraiser call the shots. And then we agree that we'll go with what that appraiser um, uh, says. And as somebody who this is not your first rodeo, you know the problem with that is that what if the appraiser is just wrong? And now everybody is going to agree to just go with that guy's value. Um, it could result in a buyer overpaying. It could result in a seller not maximizing their dollar. So we see it when buyers and sellers are not following the guidance of a, of a real estate professional. How's that? That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, the takeaway, have these conversations with the buyer and a lender beforehand. Uh, the, the, the landscape right now is challenging for buyers. I, I think that we don't want buyers to conclude that the only way to buy a home today is to just completely give away the farm to the benefit of the seller. There, there's, there's ways to manage through these transactions. There are. Yeah. There mm -hmm. certainly are. Yeah. That was, uh, that was well done. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Everybody be careful out there as buyers and sellers. It's a, it's a crazy market. Uh, and hope to see you on the next episode. See you soon.